Welcome to the worst wrestling podcast in the world. I'm your host, TJ Hawk of 41mania.com and freeprowrestling.com. On this edition of the podcast, I'm going to be describing my experience at Interspecies Wrestling Interspecies Wrestling's event 3D, or the Third Dimension, which happened on March 16, 2013 in Danbury, Connecticut. Uh, spoiler alert, uh, the show was awesome and everyone should be going to as many Interspecies Wrestling events as possible. Alright, the show started with a dark match, which happened about a half hour before the official show started. Uh, the Mac uh, defeated Popo Chan, the evil panda. Uh, the Mac won with a by using a giant Rice Krispie treat, which he bashed over Popo Chan's head, uh, which gave him the W. Uh, the Mac uh, looked like he could be a really good athlete, like he looked like he had some athleticism towards him. Uh, he's doing basically like a party, he's a partier gimmick, uh, which doesn't really interest me. I find it, that's just not a gimmick that really grabs me. Uh, the match itself was not all that good at all. Um, if you know who was playing Popo Chan, it was, I think, like a, meant to be like some of a gag or a surprise guest who was never actually going to reveal himself. Uh, then it was kind of amusing uh, on principle alone. But other than that, uh, this match was nothing anybody ever needs to see and if isw never releases it to the masses i don't think the world will i would say the world would be better off but the world will, will keep on spinning the official opener of uh, isw's 3d was pinky sanchez defending the king of crazy title against lloyd chulowitz lloyd chulowitz uh, seems to be playing some sort of like crustacean or sea monster character uh pinky defeated him uh, with a nasty turnbuckle DDT. And it was even more nasty because pretty much the entire match before that was almost all comedy. So they're just doing this comedy match for about probably 8 to 12 minutes or something in that area. And all of a sudden, Pinky Sanchez busts out a turnbuckle DDT and just kills Lloyd with it. And it, that fin the finish was awesome, awesome, awesome finish. Pinky should be using that finish as much as humanly possible. And... Anyway, so it was a comedy match. Pinky retained the title. It was it was fun. It was a really fun match. It was a good way to get the crowd into the show. Uh, I usually I don't think comedy a comedy match is always the best way to start off a show, but I think it works with for ISW. Uh, just I I mean I love comedy matches, but I kind of like them more towards the middle of the show, as a way to break up a lot of the other action as opposed to starting off with it. The second match was Dirty Bucks Belmar versus Oni the Leopard King. Uh, Dirty Bucks Belmar, uh, the name, his nickname Dirty is appropriate because he basically tries to be as disgusting as humanly possible. Uh, he likes, he he uh, start he lit up a cigarette and then he dumped the cigarette in a bottle of water and then he drank the bottle of water, which is just awful and disgusting. And he did a bunch of other stuff like that. There was at one point he pulled out a condom and he put the condom on his finger and he stuck it in Oni's mouth or. Something happened with a condom. It was all like there's a lot of gross out uh, type of humor to it, and uh, but other than that, they had a really like compact, hard hitting matchup, which was a lot of fun to watch. They didn't overstay the welcome at all, which was perfect for the second match on the show. Belmar eventually defeated Oni with the uh, erotic strong style uh, gut buster uh, from the fireman's carry position, and you know both guys looked good and. If you, uh, I'd never seen Bucks Belmar before, but I left to think I left the match thinking I want to see more of him. And Oni the Leopard King uh, continues to be a solid addition to ISW. The third match was Tabernacle the Team 
Matthew St. Jacques and Thomas Dubois. Uh, I believe they are French Canadians, uh, actually, and they're definitely and they're essentially just playing French Canadian archetypes, stereotypes, whatever you want to say. Uh, and they're facing the food the food fighters, which is Pasquale, the Italian chef, and Bastion Snow, who is a, a crustacean character, possibly a lobster. Uh, I would not know. I could not say for hundred percent sure. And this was this was a really solid match. I think this match was mostly designed to show off Tabernacle the team who were making uh, their debut, at least as a team in ISW. I'm not sure if they've appeared individually before. But Tabernacle the team basically they have a lot of cool moves. <laughs> and when I say moves, I mean like moves with a Z. Like they do a lot of unique stuff that gets your attention. And I think they got over and were showcased very effectively. And they actually managed to pin the Food Fighters. Um, I actually forget the exact finish of the match, which, you know, probably should just be a reminder to me not to do these podcast recaps a week and a half later, and I should just do them the next day. But regardless, uh, the point is that this was not a really fun match. And the show at this point was, there's nothing mind-blowing about the show, but the show had a lot of good momentum, and everyone was really having a good time. Uh, The next match was Glad Bad versus Giant Tiger. Giant Tiger is the resident... uh, homophobe, racist, sexist, asshole of ISW. Uh, I think he was most, for years in ISW, he's basically been playing a heel character. I think. I would not, once again, I'm not an ISW historian at all. I've only seen one show before this, and it was on DVD from like 2010, 2009. I am not an ISW historian, but I know a little bit about the characters and the promotion, and I think Giant Tiger has mostly been a heel throughout his run in ISW. Uh, but though he apparently hadn't appeared in Connecticut in quite a while, so he definitely got a big time babyface reaction, and he essentially worked babyface for the most part. And he, his character is basically supposed to be endearingly backwards in how he thinks, which is not ideal to me. But you know, it could be worse. Uh, so his opponent was Glad Bad, uh, Glad being G L A A D, like the gay and right uh, gay and lesbians uh, activist group, and. Glad Bad is essentially is playing an openly uh, homosexual character who who actually he has actually accompanied to ringside by uh, the Craigslist homo, which you know once again should let you know a lot about the character Glad Bad. But while you may think on the surface that he's just like another homopho- uh, homosexual stereotype in a long line of problematic homosexual stereotypes in professional wrestling, he's definitely supposed to be a babyface, which is and the crowd treats him like a babyface, which is. Which is nice and different than how most openly and flamboyantly gay male characters are portrayed in professional wrestling. Uh, the only really problem I see with it, he's just he's a character who's pretty much a, completely defined by his sexuality, and when his sexuality is that of is, is a minority, it's a little you know a little less than ideal. But once again, not the worst thing in the world. So the the, the story was that Gladbag got on the microphone and he said that the Craigslist homo was starting to get a little confused and that, you know, he started to want to experiment with what it was like to have sex with girls. And so Glad Bad uh, then brought out a couple of uh, transsexual hookers out uh, and they were going to apparently, and, and the Craigslist homo was apparently going to pick one to have sex with. Well, Giant Tiger would not stand for this because, you know, he, he in his, all of his ignorance, just assumed they were women. And he decided he needed to sleep with at least one of these uh, hookers, if not both of them. And he stuck his hand down one of their pants and discovered that, you know, they had a cock. Uh, 
And this upset Giant Tiger to no end. And he was furious. And uh, the, 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 so the, the gimmick was that the, the crowd and everyone else knew that these women were, well, had male appendages. But Giant Tiger did not. And so Giant Tiger was really offended. And he was really upset by this. Uh, and then, you know, they had a match. It was like a fun, energetic match. It was nothing too special. Um, Gladbad actually, uh, a giant tiger called for the no hands pedigree and then Gladbag uh, reversed it. I think pretty much with a jackknife pin cover, uh, which is how, which is how Triple H has actually been defeated a few times on big pay-per-view matches. Uh, and so, you know, Gladbag won, which was also nice. And this was, a, this was a fun match. It was a good segment. It was not, it was, a. Uh, it's definitely interesting. I mean, what I like about ISW is how they push boundaries and they don't, they make, they try to make people uncomfortable in a way, in a different, a different way. In a, I don't think in a demeaning way and more of a, let's just push it. Let's push boundaries as much as we can push boundaries for the sake of pushing boundaries, which I think is interesting and way different than pretty much every other wrestling promotion in the world. Um, so that was the first half of the show. I think uh, the consensus was from my friends and I who were at the show, like the first half was fun. And you know nothing like blow nothing blew blow away happened on the sh- in the first half of the show, but everyone was having a fun time, and uh, you know so everyone it, it seems like this was just going to be a really fun event, and we'd all say it was a fun event. But the second half is where things really became quite awesome. Uh, there actually was a musical performance intermission, which was not really noteworthy at all, other than they ran some weird angle where some guy came out in a mask. I didn't really understand who he was, and the lead singer of the band gave him a, a stunner. Figured I would mention it. Uh, so the first match after intermission was Leon St. Giovanni and the Mighty Mo, who was awful, but uh, more to the point, I, he was playing some type of weird character that I didn't understand. And they were taking on the new Team Tremendous, Dan Barry and Bill Carr. Uh, the story was here, Dan Barry came out, and apparently Dan Barry's partner, Ken Scampy, died at the last ISW show as a result of a raging food fight. And so, but Dan Barry showed up at this show and revealed that he and Ken Scampy were actually have been undercover cops in ISW all this time. And now he and Bill Carr, who's also a cop, are back to find out uh, some information about about a, an illegal denim ring in ISW. So there was a lot of great comedy early on this match uh, with Dan Barry interrogating Leon Zay Giovanni. Uh, Leon, St. G- Leon St. Giovanni's character in ISW is essentially he's a taxidermist, uh, and uh, so that's 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 his character in ISW. Uh, anyway, so Dan Barry and Bill Carr did a lot of great. Uh, Dan Barry did a lot of great comedy, and Bill Carr, uh, if you don't if you know him at all, he was a Bobby Dutch in WWE de- developmental for a while. But anyway, these two had a really these guys have great chemistry. They work a lot of Beyond Wrestling together, and you know it was just a really really fun match. It was a great way to bring back the show. Uh, to bring back the, sh- uh, the show in the second half. Uh, Dan Barry uh, eventually pinned, I believe, Mighty Mo. It might have been Giovanni, though, with a, like, essentially, like, a corkscrew a corkscrew moonsault from the top rope. It was inc- incre- it was an incredible move and a great exclamation point to end the match. Uh, Barry and Carr then put Giovanni and the Mighty Mo in handcuffs and brought them to the back, to the locker room, presumably to be raped in jail. Uh Anyway, uh, it should be noted, the Mighty Mo was absolutely awful in this match. And he actually, as much as I enjoyed this match, Mighty Mo did take it down whenever he was in the ring. And I I don't think ISW needs to bring Mighty Mo back unless he improved dramatically before the next show. 
All right, the next match, which was end up probably being one of the bigger stories from the show, was the Beyond Wrestling Showcase match between Chris Dickinson and Jaka. Jaka being the former Johnny Mangue, who is now working uh, the Samoans, the archaic Samoan Savage gimmick in the Wrestling Is promotions, and he was working that gimmick here. Uh, so Dickinson and Jaka have been uh, ta- have been a tag team. They've been stablemates. They've been opponents for a while now. I believe they know each other very well. So I was like. My friends and I were very pumped for this match because we figured these two were going to beat the shit out of each other, and that's just what and that's what they and that's what they did. And they just beat the shit out of each other. Uh, the real big story though was that about halfway through the match, uh, Dickinson was on the floor and Jacka went to do a somersault dive, uh, a somersault senton from the apron, uh, probably like most famously done probably by Tommy Dreamer, and a lot he did that a lot in WWE his last few years there, and they went through a merch table when they when they did this dive. And I wouldn't say the table broke. It was more like the table just forcibly collapsed in a dangerous way. Um, but when they did it, they came very close to these two women who were sitting behind and running the merch table. And as soon as it happened, I was like, wow, I really hope they planned that spot. It would really suck for those two girls if they didn't know that was coming. And well, it does, by, the sound, by the looks of it, they did not plan that spot with those two girls. And those two girls flipped a shit and they were working for some pro wrestling school they were running the merch for some pro wrestling school who was uh there and so two guys from that pro wrestling school were starting to fight with jaka dickinson jaka completely broke character jaka is playing a silent samoan character who's who's taken a vow of silence until he you know attains whatever success he wants dickinson and jaka completely broke character it looked like a huge brawl was going to break out and uh I wouldn't say cooler heads heads prevailed because it looked like some skirmishing was happening, but eventually uh, Dickinson and Jacka ended up back in the ring, and the people from that pro wrestling school eventually ended up in the locker room, I presume. And Jacka and Dickinson were furious; they were cursing, they were just want, they were challenging the, the the guys to get into the ring to fight them. And then uh, I don't know. I'll, a light something happened and they just went right back to the match and trust me this is what the fans wanted as much as you know i think it was kind of a dick move to do that to do that dive onto them without their consent or their knowledge beforehand uh the fans were not impressed with the that pro wrestling academy's attempt to essentially hijack the show and just to interrupt the match because i mean the match was interrupted because the pro wrestling academy flipped flipped out the match wasn't interrupted because the dive directly so the mat i mean the match was going to keep going but the pro wrestling that whatever that pro wrestling academy was really essentially hijacked the show for a few minutes so the fans were just chomping at the bit for dickinson and jocka to get back in the ring and, and they did that and at first the crowd was kind of like it was a very awkward scene we didn't because no one knew what was happening i think maybe for a little bit people thought this was an invasion another fucking invasion angle it wasn't luckily and uh, so it was a few. It was awkward for about maybe a minute in the ring when, when Dickinson and Jaka started the match back up, but then they proceeded to lay into each other so much that the crowd was absolutely, completely invested once again in the match. And uh, eventually, Dickinson pinned Jaka with a a pump handle. Uh, I don't even know what we call it. It was essentially like a pump handle driver. Uh, it was a really great match. The crowd was going ballistic towards the end. Uh, Beyond Wrestling should be, since this was Beyond Wrestling Showcase, this match should be on their YouTube channel relatively soon. And everyone, 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 everyone should watch this match. 
it was a ton of fun and uh yeah it, it's a shame that that incident happened but i think it added a little something to the match it made it a little bit more dramatic and uh you know by the end like this the crowd was screaming beyond wrestling beyond rest or chanting beyond wrestling beyond wrestling and i think it was great it was a great ended up being a great match and a great moment for beyond wrestling and isw all right, the next match was uh, Frankie Arion defending the other title, the ISW other title, against Addy Starr. Uh, yeah, Arion was playing pretty typical misogynistic heel throughout the match. Uh, Addy Starr takes a great beating, and she also gives out a great beating. And, you know, they were having a really stiff match. It looked like at one point Addy slapped Frank- Frankie, and, like, Frankie's face seemingly exploded. Uh, I believe there was some blood. I can't remember. I think Arion... Frankie Ariane was one who bled first. Uh, can't remember exactly how. Uh, so this was like a huge type of brawling, really stiff contest. And then Arian essentially decided he no longer wanted to wrestle, and he stayed on the floor, and he got counted out to retain the title. He lost the match, but he retained the title. Afterwards, Frankie Arian told Addy Star that if she really wanted a rematch, she would have to agree to do whatever Arian said. He couldn't. She couldn't touch him. She couldn't hit him. She just had to make a promise to do whatever he said. And so Addy agreed, and Arion said, all right, if you want this title match, you're going to have to take off your shirt. And she took off her shirt. And she looks like she was about to start taking off more and more clothing. And everyone pretty much in the ring, I mean, everyone in the crowd, was pretty much disgusted by what was going on, which is encouraging. Except for there was two people, about two 15-year-olds, wanted nothing more in this world than for Addy Starr to get completely naked Everyone else was just disgusted. I think, it, in that sense, it got the great, it got the reaction you really wanted. So, despite the shitty finish, I think uh, when Addy Star versus Frankie Arion happens, when that that rematch happens, I think fans are going to be dying for Addy to take the belt from him, uh, which is presumably what will happen. Uh, so, eventually, uh, Frankie Arion told Addy to get on her knees, and she did. And then I think the idea was that he was going to. And he was like feeling her up a couple times, touching her. It was like essentially he was such he was sexually assaulting her. And eventually, Arion just stopped, said, and, and called her a whore, and said, "Sure, you got your title match, but you're you're now everyone knows you're a fucking whore." Uh, which I, I was quoting him, by the way. And uh, so it was kind of a really interesting angle once again in terms of pushing boundaries and making people uncomfortable. And in that sense, I thought I, I responded. I think it was a really ballsy idea, and I think it worked really well. Uh, especially in the, pr- in the traditional pro wrestling sense that people will be really interested in the rematch. And uh, yeah, I think this was uh, this was definitely a thumbs up angle. And I'm normally against uh, angles and s- stories being done to uh, leading to shitty finishes and matches, but I think it definitely worked here. It was different. I had never seen it before. And it was really clear that Addy was the baby face. It was really clear that Frankie was a disgusting pig. So like, you know, you know, you see these type of stories often in television and movies, so it's not, I don't think it's really offensive just because the bad guy is being offensive. So, great stuff here. Alright, the semi-main event was A.R. Fox versus Kitsune. Uh, the, uh, Kitsune is uh, playing a Fox character, uh, so it was Fox versus Fox. Uh, these two went out and had a fantastic match. A lot of people, including ISW's and ISW is promoting it as the best match in ISW history. It was certainly the best match of the night. It was one of the most fun matches. You know, you know what AR Fox is going to do. He's going to kill himself in every match, do a billion moves. And Kitsune was right there with him the entire time. Um, 
Eventually, Kitsune hit a shooting star slash for the pin. I don't know how long he went. Probably like 15, maybe 18 minutes. It was great, great, great match. Uh, one of the highlights of it was uh, finding out that A.R. Fox's mother and grandmother were right at ringside, uh, just cheering along with everybody else. And it was, just, it was a great moment and a great match. And A.R. Fox should be on every single ISW show going forward. Uh, the main event, uh, well, first, Matthew Ryan Shapiro came out. And he announced that the Necro Butcher was no more and that the Necro Butcher had seen the light and now he had some sort of religious conversion and he was now going to be known as Necro Singh. And Necro, and this was a match for Izzy Dedia, uh, which is a zombie character, uh, for his ISW championship and he was defending against Necro Butcher. And, you know, they had a Necro Butcher brawl that you would feel like you would see on any show with any, any Necro Butcher match in 2013. A lot of chairs were involved that did a lot of stupid moves with chairs that looked really, really painful and uncomfortable. This was somewhat of a uh, somewhat of a flat way to end the show. Uh, the Dickinson, uh, Dickinson, Jaka, Addy, and Arion, and Kitsune Air Fox were really like a really great one-two-three combination. And this match just felt very not un, uh, unnecessary. Is not the great word, but more just like. I don't know. It didn't, it didn't add anything to my experience. It didn't really take away from my experience at the show, but I would have been more than fine. Like, if Arafax Kitsune was the main event and nothing else happened after that, I would have had a perfectly great time at ISW. And this didn't really add anything to it. Uh, Izzy Dedia eventually won. You know, they did, like I said, they did some stupid things. There were staple guns, more chair shots. Uh, what was the finish? Wow, I'm horrible. I can't even remember what the finish was. See, I'll I'll never do a podcast reviewing a show ten days later again. Uh, but presumably it involved Izzy Dead yet sending Necro Butcher into a bunch of chairs. Uh, in fact, I can guarantee you that it involved that to some degree. Uh, I don't know. I don't think Necro needs to be back in ISW. I don't really need to see a lot of Necro Butcher matches going forward. He doesn't really do much for me. Anyway, though, uh, so ISW, uh, tremendous. This was a tremendous experience. Tremendous! My one, my favorite live wrestling experience ever. Uh, I will absolutely go back when they're in Connecticut. Uh, I've heard rumors that they'll be running in Canada sometime this summer. Oh, the next live show in Connecticut is in November. And I've heard rumors that they'll have a show in between in the summer in Ottawa, and I'm I'll be seriously considering making the trip for that show. Everyone, everyone, everyone should check out ISW Live. You can get their DVDs. You can already get their DVD of this event at interspeciesrestling.com. You can go to SmartMark Video to get their MP4s, their streams, their DVDs, their their entire catalog there. Uh, you can follow them on Twitter at ISDUDUB, ISDUB. Uh, I believe their Facebook page is actually like a friend page, so it's like Interspecies Wrestling, and you can friend them there. Uh, tremendous, tremendous show. Everyone should go see them live. And, uh, you know, pick up the DVD, find out what they're all about. It was a ton of fun. Thank you so much for listening to the worst wrestling podcast in the world. I was your host, TJ Hawk. You can check out my writing. It's at 41mania.com. You can check out the website that I run, freeprowrestling.com. You can follow me on Twitter, TJHawk411. You can... What else can you do? I'm not giving you my email address. All right. Bye.